Let's have some applause for the for Ronit and her crew at the at the JCC here. And Marit and Edit and Galit. All the Eats. Dorit, sorry. There's like 12 Eats. There's like all the women in Israel moved here to make this happen, basically. Hi, everybody. We are live at the Ashman Family Jewish Community Center in beautiful Palo Alto, California, and this is Unorthodox. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnick. Hi. And Senior Writer Liel Leibovitz. What did that mean? Whatever you wanted to mean. Was it Hebrew? Whatever, whatever offends you most. Hebrew or Arabic this week? That was Arabic. That was Arabic. Thank you. And today we'll be talking with our guest Jew, uh, internet privacy activist, incubator, hacker, general man of the valley, Adon Katz, and with our guest Gentile, Amanda Bradford. I just want to say um, that uh, I have, before we get going, I, because I have this crowd here today, I want to say I have four kids and two dogs and one cat, and I'm broke. And my understanding is there's money out here. So I, my wife said, if you're going to leave us for two days, if you're going to leave me with all the creatures to take care of for two days, just make it known that you're willing to sell out. And here's the thing. I don't know how to code anything. So if I move out here and just need to make some money, like what does a professional Jewish writer do out here? Is there any – what? PR? Okay, so I will do your PR. That's all I'm saying is that I'm content marketing. I don't even know what that is. Same thing. Okay. So I'm just saying like that if you make me the right offer, I'm never leaving. The the weather's nice out here. We could do every episode live. Is this why you came here? Basically, I came here to say that I'm ready. Are you not coming back? Is that what you're saying? I basically came here to say that I'm ready. I'm ready to sell out. There'll be an empty middle seat on the Virgin America flight back home. Liel, how do you feel being out here? In the, does it feel like Israel to you? A little bit too much, in fact. How so? You know, the, the, the trees are kind of freaking me out a little bit. There are a lot of <laughs> trees they're, they're here. They're very Israeli trees. Like, what is, what is going on? I woke up from a nap at the hotel. I opened the window. I was like, where am I? Oh, yeah, here. I like it here. And Stephanie? Yeah, I like it a lot. You like it a lot? Yeah. But we're kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of, I I'm feel... I'm like a little too, like, neurotic, though, I think. Plus, they, look, at, look at where we live back home. We live in hovels. <laughs> we live in, you know, my they apartment. They have yards out here. Right, because out here it's really affordable. If you moved out here, you'd have a nice, <laughs> you'd have a nice, you'd have a nice big house and everything. I have to say, and this is this is sacrilege up here, but um, to me, San Francisco, the Bay Area. I realize we're not in San Francisco. The Bay Area always feels kind of like Junior Varsity Boston to me. I think you just lost your PR. I job. just lost my PR. Yeah, you lost this whole of, crowd. It's whereas Los Angeles is like a whole, it's a foreign country, so I feel like I've gone somewhere. I don't want to say I feel like Boston is JV everything. Just gonna throw that. You think out Boston there. JV New York? Yes. Says you from Long Island. Long Island's JV New York City. Fine. So, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying. Well, look, I, the argument for out here is the weather. Can we agree about that's that? A, that's all you could find. That's pretty much all I the could weather. find. I taught, you know, I taught at Stanford for one quarter. I was the correct young it writer on well. Jewish <laughs> themes. What? It went that it well. Went that <laughs> I was the correct young writer on Jewish themes at Stanford, which was a funny fellowship because you didn't have to be a Jewish writer, but you had to write on Jewish themes. And I was out here for one quarter, and I was the... I think I was the last one. And after that, they said, it's not worth it paying. You know what? It's not worth it for a Jewish writer to come out here. We could do without so, that. Anyway, so I had to go back east. But I'm ready to relocate, ready to sell out. Some interesting news of the Jews this week. Apparently up in Marin County, a 24-year-old environmental activist and Jewess named Aaron Schrode. Schrode? Schrode? Does anyone know? Aaron Schrode is running for Congress from Marin County. If she wins, she'll be the youngest woman ever elected to Congress, as well as the youngest Jew. 
So let's pay attention to that election. A new book called Shakespeare's Dark Lady claims that the works attributed to William Shakespeare were in fact written by a Venetian Jewess living in London named Amelia Bassano, who spoke Hebrew and had an affair with Christopher Marlowe, author of The Ooh. Jew of Malta. Is this also the same person who's Elena Ferrante? Like, are these all the same people? <laughs> have you read the Elena Ferrante books? I started one. Yeah, they're not that good, are they? But I pretend like I act as though I could have read all of them. I, I love that. I, really, I think I could get into them. I got 12 pages into the first one and thought... It's because you're sexist. It's <laughs> <laughs> and why did you stop after 12 pages? Um, I think like someone texted me and I just like I forgot. So that's what it is. Oh, to be 28. Um, four Jewish students at Oberlin College wrote an editorial in a school newspaper defending Professor Joy Karega, who has written Facebook posts alleging that Jews or Israelis were behind 9-11, ISIS, Charlie Hebdo, and the Paris attacks. By the way, I promise it was not me who told. About the, atta- about the Jews yeah, being about behind it? Involvement. Um, the students wrote a letter saying they greatly admire Professor Karega, and rather than repudiate her views, they want to, quote, bring her in. Which sounds ominous in its yes. own right, right? Like we're gonna, but, but I was, you know, we both have kids, Liel and I, who will someday, we, God willing, go to college. And I do have this sense sometimes when I read about some of these, and I'm a liberal, like I'm a liberal campus guy. When I read about some of these campuses, I sometimes have the sense that I wouldn't want to be a Jew there. New? You're looking at me? I'm looking at you. Yes. You've been waiting I, years I, to hear this from me. I, I wholeheartedly agree. But you're so down on academic American culture, like, would you send your kids to college at all? I mean, you I, basically think they're all hotbeds of PC leftist tripe. That's the least of their problems. Are there any good universities around here that we could, uh, that we could trash? Uh, look, I, I, I basically think that uh, it, it's not just a PC that's a problem. It's the entire abandonment of what a university needs to do, which is really, you know, pursue knowledge. Uh, it has gotten so incredibly specialized. It has gotten so incredibly minute that the whole project of, of just, you know, knowledge uh, has been corrupted beyond, beyond relief. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I would go back to college in like a second. Like, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to go back. Because, I don't care. because, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing your your Greek life activism here. But was it because? I mean, no, you were like a serious student, and you were a religious studies major. You pro, you led college the way I ought to have. You took good classes. But what so is, you never left. But <laughs> you're still there trying to make it up. But w- is it because you missed the learning, or because you missed your sorority, or I your fencing, like... or just the long meals in the dining hall? Like what? What is it? Wow, you really just like you got my whole college experience I nailed it right all. there. I um, just essentialized. I don't know. It all. I just think we're. I just think college is a time of like this growth and experience and like, yes, these things are happening, but I, like, I haven't given up on the whole like American educational system. Instead of $250,000 going to some shitty university that will put you in touch with a Joy Carrega who tells you that the Jews, you know, did 9-11, just give your kids $250,000. No, give them a ticket around <laughs> the world. The entire, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? The Penguin Classics Library and a small bag of cocaine and say, you now possess <laughs> the three things that you need to have a perfect educational experience. Go out there, come back in four years, and we'll talk. Liel's actually working on a parenting book. So I, I am. <laughs> it is called That's Give Your Kids one. Cocaine by Dr. Leah Leibowitz. Here's the problem, doctor. Like, what happens when little Hudson or Lily, you know, blows through their bag of cocaine halfway between here and the Dublin airport? Well, then, God forbid, they will have to work for their has, cocaine. Has sold their, Unlike those privileged college students to kids today, I tell you. They've sold their penguin classics to earn some money. <laughs> they some, They're rolling some up more the pages. Blow. I mean, you are a uniquely self-directed person. Like, you're taking Greek, ancient Greek now for fun. 
Is that it fun is, or is it just true. is it for fun or duty? I don't fun know. Fun is one word. But uh, no, I'm I'm taking what Greek if, now what if in order Hudson to preserve Lily, civilization. You know? What if Hudson and Lily are not quite as self-directed as you? And you think going to an American college would help them? I think a lot of the where they would take go, you know gender disability studies for six years and then come out and so you're not know not a word. Of, they're not going to college. Did you go to I, college in America? I'm like so confused. I, I, I would like I would like to homeschool my children. Through give them, college? Give them, give them what? Yeah, yeah. No, through grad school. <laughs> through grad school? Actually, yeah. They're going to get the, Le- the Leibowitz PhD? I would say, I would say now, now you, should, you should sit here for the, poly- for the next uh, eight years. <laughs> you should do very little except have huge self-doubt and self-loathing. And then we'll just give you a degree you can do absolutely nothing with. And you know what? You'll save a bunch of money. How does that sound? <clears throat> Republican presidential candidate uh, Ted Cruz toured Brighton Beach on Thursday and then stopped by the Lubavitcher Matzah factory where he helped children make... <laughs> Because he says, look, something that is as dry and unappealing as I am. (laughs) You just have to love love the Ted Cruz campaign. People are like, and here's what we'll do. We'll go to Chabad and make matzah because that will pull in the Jewish yeah. vote. Ted, you know, you know, you know what will get you over over that little bump that you need to cross. Uh, we're thinking matzah. We're thinking, but matzah. not just any matzah, like the most religious matzah. Yeah, like, like not streets, none of that. Like, like let's make it like a little inaccessible and like not chocolate you know. covered matzah, <laughs> like the disgusting shemora matzah that you sort of and not just shemora matzah, and not even not just shemora matzah. Lubavitcher made home baked. Um, in other matzah news, Brooklyn hipsters, not content with having ruined mayonnaise, affordable housing, basketball teams, and Brooklyn, have decided to ruin matzah. For the past six months, Ashley Albert, <laughs> which wasn't that the dating site? Wasn't that the adult? That was Ashley, Ashley Ma- Madison. That was Ashley Madison. <laughs> Ashley She's Albert busy. and her team of cracker masters have been toiling away to make the perfect matzah in Brooklyn. She told the website Brooklyn.com that her company, The Matzah Project, wants to move matzah out of the ethnic food ghetto. The Matzah Project's crackers will be available in three flavors, salted, cinnamon, sorry, salted, cinnamon, and sugared, and everything. Sorry, salted, cinnamon, and sugared, and everything and two more things. That's a flavor. Besides their artsy naming, they have artsy packaging, (laughs) which... um, which shows a well-coiffed elderly woman with a speech bubble coming out of her mouth saying, would it kill you to try something new? And that's how you move it out of the Jewish yeah. eye. Right? <laughs> great, great, guys. Well, no, what she's yeah. doing, as you'll see, is she's moving it out of the what she sees as the religious Jewish aisle into the culturally in, Jewish. In, into the constipation into the aisle. aisle. Right, yeah. into the cracker aisle. I feel like they're mixing their messages, though. I think this, I, I couldn't like Ashley Albert less. Um, she told Brooklyn, my business partner Kevin and I were, <laughs> Kevin, her Jewish business partner Kevin and she were both exceptionally close to our grandmothers, so it's completely based on their humor, she said. But we wanted to get away from the, quote, older woman archetype. My grandmother was sassy, elegant, and funny, and I wanted to bring that to this, that version of a woman. Okay, so basically, she's trying to make matzah the well-coiffed, elegant old Jewish grandmother rather than the sort of, like, hunched-over balabusta. I just think that, like, we need to all acknowledge that, like, no one really likes matzah. Like, you eat it for eight days, and it's fine, and it, like, does weird things to your body, and, like, I don't really want to get into any more of that. I love matzah. I but, love matzah. But of course, in you a do. context, like I don't think you, it needs to be a cracker. Like I think we just need to like relax and just stop like trying to innovate. I think you're dodging the really interesting question, which is what happens when you eat matzah? No, which is why does Ashley Madison Albert feel that matzah needs to be renovated for the hipsters? Like it is what it is, and I feel like because again, they have the, the hipsters have run out of things to destroy. 
and therefore this is literally the only thing left. It's like you know the like the, the bin, the, the five like the dollar bin. Like after everyone has bought every single shitty book that ev- no one else wants, is like one thing left. It's matzah. No one wants to touch that. Can She's we like, blame Oberlin? Okay. Could we? We should. Let's blame, blame Oberlin College. I'd like to blame Oberlin. After 42 years as a practicing conservative rabbi, Seymour Rosenblum wrote an op-ed for the Jewish Telegraphic Agency this week arguing that conservative rabbis should be allowed to officiate at interfaith weddings. Now, as you all know, Orthodox rabbis never do interfaith weddings. Many reform and reconstructionist rabbis do. Some conservative rabbis do, but they lie about it. And now, (laughs) Reb Seymour is saying conservative rabbis have to come out of the closet and just do them because people are getting interfaith married anyway, and why? who is the conservative movement kidding? Now, you told me something interesting uh, in the car ride over here, which I'm completely going to embarrass you by sharing. You okay. said that you don't, uh, Mark, as you can imagine by, by looking at his perfect hair, uh, does weddings, uh, but mitzvahs, whatever you, you invite him to do. Uh, and Mark has officiated at least one wedding. Just one. Now, You've officiated two, as I I officiated two. Uh, but I officiated a, a wedding. One of the weddings uh, was a, a, an interfaith wedding. And you said you would not do that. Why? I, what I think what I said is I would do an interfaith wedding as a civil officiant. I'd give them a civil wedding. I'd be their judge. But, so we both, it should be clear, are on, we got online ordination. <laughs> we both paid $10 on the internet for some completely meaningless bullshit thing. Yes, are you a universal life minister? Of course Yeah, I am. we're both and, universal. Okay, they've both offered to do my wedding. I'm not engaged. Ben Cohen, if you're listening. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So that's actually her boyfriend's name, Ben Cohen. We didn't just make joke. that up. We're not like cutting Jewish that guy, too. Ben Cohen. Um, what I said was, I would be the civil officiant. I would be their pseudo judge. But I don't, I don't feel that when the interfaith couple can't find a rabbi to do it, that I should be the guy who comes in and is their fake rabbi for a day. Does that make sense? Is, that, is, there, is there a consistency there to that? Or? Well, you're not ordained as a rabbi. You're ordained as like a... <laughs> not like ordained a, as a, Jack. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> them being like, oh, he's Jewish, he could do it. Like you're, you're saying that like it actually doesn't make sense for you to be the person who like is giving them the pass is what you're saying. Right. It's like just because I write for tablet doesn't mean I can be your pseudo rabbi. Speaking of your of your ordination, you, you had a star turn this week on on a pretty big platform. It's true. Um, more important than being a, a wedding officiant in my life is that I that Dan Savage, the famous sex columnist, asked me to be a guest uh, sex advisor in his column Savage Love this week. Um, I got an email from from Dan, whom I've worked with on various things before not very various non-sexual things and he had gotten a question that he felt he wasn't qualified to answer so i'm going to read it for for all of you and maybe you'll tell me if i answered right <clears throat> here was the question dear dan i am a 20 something straight cis female expat how long do i have to wait to ask my german lover who is uber sensitive about the holocaust to indulge me in my greatest and until now unrealized fantasy nazi role play He is very delicate around me because I am a secular Jew and the descendant of Holocaust survivors, even though I've instructed him to watch The Believer, starring Ryan Gosling as a Jewish neo-Nazi, to get a better grasp on my relationship with Judaism. To be clear, I'm not actually a neo-Nazi, just your garden-variety self-hating Jew. This persists even though we've spoken about my anti-Zionist politics. Evidently, he was indoctrinated from a young age with a hyper-apologetic history curriculum. I appreciate that he thinks it was wrong for the SS to slaughter my family, That sounds like a a great relationship. Amazing. But it's not like he did it himself. I know it sounds really fucked up, but I promise this isn't coming from a place of deep-seated self-loathing. Even if it were, it's not like we'd be hurting anybody. We're both in good psychological working condition, and neither of us is an actual bigot. 
I would try to get to know him better, but we're so different. There's a big age difference. And I don't really see our relationship being much more than the sex. Okay. So, so first of all, I so our question you. is, how long do I have to wait before asking my German boyfriend to play Nazi to my submissive Jewess? First of all, I love the fact that you're the sort of, you know, uh, ecumenical uh, <laughs> rabbi to perverts. You're like Martin Luther King. You know, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> of course I would go to you. So what I said was, I said, look, I have no problem with them playing whatever consensual sex games they want. But I said, her letter does sound to me like she has a little touch of self-loathing. The fact that she's all like, I, you know, I'm really not that religious and I'm really not a Zionist and I'm not the kind of Jew who's all uptight about the Holocaust. And I just felt like the real problem that she needs to get a hold of is she seems to she, she seems not to be comfortable with her Judaism. Yeah, which is why you should have said it's completely permissible by unorthodox rules to, <laughs> to have this Nazi role play. But before that, you have to dress up as Golda Meir. <laughs> now, if that's not a sexual fetish of yours, then we can't help you. You have to go through one to get to the other. We have a guest Jew every week, but it's not every week that our guest Jew is Adon Katz. Adon, come on up here. Adon is an attorney for technology startups focusing on sharing economy projects. He's based in Oakland, where he co-founded the Pseudo Room Hacker Space. He used to be at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. He's also a dad and the recent godparent to 12 Syrian hamsters. For real? Yeah. Well, first of all... uh Syrian, not as in they're from Syria. It's a type of hamster, a Syrian hamster. But there's still refugees, technically. No, I wanted to make (laughs) sure. Technically, they're still considered refugees, though? Uh, Well, uh, that's what I wanted to update since I sent you my bio. We've given some away. No, there are fewer. (laughs) Are there less? There are fewer, but. we, we all, there may be another pregnancy. We're not sure. It's, it's kind of crazy in the house. Are they intrinsically divided? Do some of them support Assad and the rest really? <laughs> no, but in preparation for, for being asked whether um, uh, the hamsters are Jewish, um, the, during um, Hanukkah, the mother, the mother's Jewish. Um, that's all that matters. They are. They're fine. Uh, she grabbed a dreidel and uh, ran with it underneath the, the fridge where she keeps like her special things, uh, which includes a knife. Uh, but that, <laughs> you, like, you never know. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, so we had uh, twelve, and then some people came, and we we gave some away, and and um, yeah, hamsters. In other words, if I went to your house for Hanukkah, I would leave with like a little Hanukkah guild bag and a Syrian and hamster. That's right. <laughs> that's amazing. That's right. Wow. But at what at what point? How many hamsters is too many? I mean. <laughs> Well, uh, it does help in um, teaching my kid about multiplication tables. So, um, <laughs> you know, like it, it, because the pregnancy lasts about 20 weeks. I, I know more about hamsters than I, I ever thought I would. But um, uh, and then they have, you know, a litter of 12 uh, usually. And so, you know, 12 times 12. And I think there's a factorial in there somewhere. You got a lot of a lot of minyanim. Yeah, hamsters. no. So what is a hacker space? You, you found You co-founded. The pseudo room hacker. First of all, what is pseudo? Why is it named that? And what is it? I'm from the East Coast. I know nothing. I don't know what a startup is. I don't know what Series A means. Like, pretend I'm the idiot I am. 
Um, well, uh, hacker spaces are uh, open community spaces where people connect with each other uh, to do projects. It's similar to an incubator uh, in some ways in that people are working together in projects. But the hackerspace is um, subversive in uh, being an open space in Pseudo Room in Oakland um, is trying to limit the commercialization that happens. So people are really collaborating and coming up with new ideas in an open, radically transparent level. Now, the, in your hackerspace, my understanding is that people don't have to pay rent with currency. They can pay rent with hugs or oranges, or how does that work? Uh, well, um, there, uh, there are different parts of it. Some aspects of it are membership-based, and so there are people who um, uh, give a monthly fee. But a lot of it is uh, volunteer-based, and then individual groups spill, spill off and uh, uh, can leverage, you know, they, they can uh, sell stocks. One of the more interesting developments that we have um, out here, we've had in California uh, for much longer, direct public offering, um, but, uh, but equity crowdfunding um, is, is something that um, is now legal, where you can sell stocks uh, to individuals, kind of like a Kickstarter, except you're not, you, know, you, don't, you don't just get a T-shirt. You get, you get some, some ownership stake, um, in whatever it is, and so that you can leverage smaller amounts of money that way, and that's one uh, uh, option. But uh, it uh, it's it's all about volunteer stuff. There's it's an amazing, you know. There's a lot of people who um, want to dump things and give things away, and when you have people around who can fix it, um, then you get a lot of free stuff that people um, people set up. There was a, a, a certain point where we had uh, it was weird. We had a slew of um, a, a church uh, uh, aisle chairs, which was you know, off-putting. Pews? Pews, that's the word. Yeah. With the space in the back for the book, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. The and, real deal. Yeah, yeah. And they were giving them to you guys? Someone was had access. Um, yeah, you know, I think I should say no more. After, after <laughs> <laughs> so what's the coolest thing that you can tell us about that's, like, going on there right now? Um, I think um, uh, open Wi-Fi network. Um, so that people who, rather than the city offering it, rather than uh, uh, Google or your favorite search engine offering it, um, uh, these are people who open up hotspots and, and there's, um, there's an open community network, wireless network, and it transforms a lot, uh, being able to uh, access something without having to buy a coffee or subscribe to some service. And I think... Uh, in particular, it helps in, uh, um, in in underserved neighborhoods, so that there's more internet access. and And I think that's 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 the most exciting. And I also, also think that model um, that there's a lot of uh, capacity that people could um, uh, join in together and 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 do things both uh, in a, a sharing context, but also in a um, benefiting local community. Speaking of of networks, uh, you are currently in a little bit of a uh, scuffle, shall we say, with the city of Oakland. Over surveillance-related issues? No, I mean, um, I, I did uh, testify that, that we were able to stop, as part of the work that we're doing in privacy um, through the um, Oakland Privacy Working Group, uh, is to stop the uh, domain awareness centers from being set up. And this was a couple of years ago, and they're still Do you want to tell steps. us what those are? Those are... Um, the non-nerds? What yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's where they say it's sort of like a um, huge vacuum of all the information that's out there. Um, that uh, is 
uh, trying to be kept so that uh, supposedly in order to do uh, analysis that prevents terrorism or um, and then and then it crawls further and further into preventing regular crime and and so there's dangers of setting it up and and there was one in Oakland and so they, through a mass movement bottom up we were able to stop it uh, you know there were several weeks in a row where we had the uh, city council past midnight and and making sure that everyone in the community was was heard and and um, uh, yeah. So do you, do you see your role as just, you know, someone, to, to use the Dutch metaphor, like the, the boy with his finger in the dam trying to stop this, this deluge? Are you, are you planning on getting more and more involved? Because this is going to be, I mean, we see the, uh, the Apple uh, FBI uh, tussle now over of the, the dead terrorists' cell phone hack. Uh, d- do you see your role continuing to grow in, in this particular sphere, or are you already growing tired of this? No, I think there's more and more issues. One of the more interesting things is um, uh, uh, the issue of whether or not the people who connect to apps like uh, Uber, Lyft, and, and, and others are employees or not um, is a very interesting uh, area that is, is going to further develop. I know plenty of people who scrap together their rent through various jobs, and, and, um, but they don't have health care. Um, and so um, uh, I think that's, that's a very interesting space. I think how... Um, uh, entities can be funded in alternate ways, such as, as I mentioned, equity crowdfunding. There's, al- there's always new stuff. The speed is, is, is quick. Uh, final question. Am I, am I right that the United States government used an Israeli company to crack the Apple? Why, why are you looking why at you looking me? Because I, look, I could look at it. I don't know what is. Well, you were born in Israel, yes? Uh, oh, your parents I'm, were. I'm not allowed to comment on this question either. No, I'm, I, uh, no. Well, did you break the apple? Did you break the ivy? No. Did, were, uh, which were, of you wasn't? Like, what are? Has it been? Has it affected your work that you speak Hebrew? That you're Israeli? I mean, there seems to be a very strong. You know, I'm sure they call it silicon, Rehov Silicon. I don't know what do they call it over there. There must be something, right? I like Rehov Silicon. silicon yeah. Silicon I mean, Wadi. It, it, <laughs> Is there like a little Israeli, you know, hackathon? Yeah, it's it's like, called Israel. It's called it mafia here from the time you land. In, it's yeah. like a startup nation. Nation is that what they're calling? <laughs> if you will, yeah. No, there is, there is, there. There are communities, and uh, I think, especially in regards to startups and tech companies, um, there are a lot of offices that open up in Israel from here, and vice versa. And uh, uh, yeah, there's definitely a connection. Apparently, they also run JCCs. If, if this is any indication. Um, Adon, thank you so much for being thank with you. us. Thank you. This has been thank awesome. You. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Let's try it. Before we bring up our guest, Gentile, whom we're so excited to have, we would be remiss to not say a few words about the print issue. And, yep. and we, so Tablet Magazine, which, you know, is this online behemoth of Jewy news and culture, uh, a few months ago started a print edition because, and, and it's, it's print only. Like, it's not like, oh, you pay this little paywall thing and then you get, it's like, if you don't have the paper in your hands, you don't read these it's, articles. It's like very retro. This is really crazy. This it's is crazy. Amazing. Can, you, can you believe this business model? You pay money. To read stories. How crazy How is crazy. that? How crazy. Right? I mean, now, Stephanie is has basically shifted her work to podcasting and putting out the print magazine. Podcasting primarily, let's like, be real. Why, um, what is the print magazine? The print magazine, it's basically, so we've been online for about seven years. Um, and this idea that, you know, we've really thrived in that online landscape. But there was something 
that we sort of felt like we were missing and we wanted people to sit down with our stories. And, you know, it's like, it's interesting, you know, a lot of our readers don't go online on Shabbat. So they actually were printing out articles and, and reading them. So, you know, we sort of knew we had a built-in print base almost, but I think we wanted to sort of show people something that they can hold and they can return to. And so what we do, I mean, nothing in the print magazine is ever online and it's full of just like really intense pieces that actually, if you saw them scrolling through your Twitter feed, you probably wouldn't click on. But when you actually look at them, we have an essay in here about the synagogue architecture in um, in Europe and how it's designed to prevent like there's a there's a surveillance aspect of it and you just look through these beautiful photos and you, you get, yeah you could see that slideshow online but looking at it in print and these beautiful pages you're you're just sort of like really really gripped by it and if you want to read mark oppenheimer for example yeah he's on in the, the issue the too first sex scandal at yale that's not a story that you want to read on your browser as you know emails and tweets and whatever other forms of disturbance are coming in you you, you want to sit on the couch after the seder with your eighth glass of wine and read this about beautiful thing in your hand and read about a Jewess. I read about a 14-year-old Jewish girl who in 1959 gave oral sex to 20 Yale undergraduates, all of whom were arrested. Uh, it made national news. Uh, it was in the New York Times. It was in Time Magazine. It went out over the Associated Press wire to dozens of newspapers across the country. And then it was completely forgotten because in that day and age before Google and before sex registries, you could get arrested and have your name splashed in the New York Times for sex with a 14-year-old and then go on to have and a... no one at your investment bank would ever know. And no one at your investment bank would ever know until a journalist uh, in the year 2016 comes and finds you. And I went and talked to all these people in their 70s, including her, and said, what was it like to be part of this scandal back in 1959? But that to me is a great example of why that's in print. If you saw it online, it would be like, OMG, the scandal you haven't read about. Like, it sort of would get manipulated in a way that actually it's an amazing story and you do these great interviews with all these people and you sort of realize that online that actually would go spin off into another direction. So for our listeners at home, if you want to subscribe to Tablet Magazine, text TABLET to 66866. Also... If the magazine's not enough of us and us being here isn't enough of us, I'll be speaking in Williamstown, Massachusetts, April 19th. I know you'll all be at that one. Um, May 16th, we'll be in Greensboro, North Carolina at the American Hebrew Academy. And May 17th, our own Stephanie Butnick will be at the National Museum of American Jewish History in Philadelphia to talk about her essay in the anthology God, Faith, and Identity from the Ashes, Reflections of Children and Grandchildren of Holocaust Survivors. Also, Stephanie is still accepting invitations to perform at your children's bat mitzvahs. Uh, in the tri-state area only, though. But the tri-state area here is like, it's a different tri-state. So you'll come here. What do you do when you perform at the bottom? I'm not actually going to perform. I just want to be like a guest. I want to be like, not a a motivator, (laughs) but like someone who's really excited for you. And like, I'll make you a memory candle for sure. Is that a thing? A memory candle? Yeah, it's like where you melt all the candle, like the crayons, and then the wax. You guys... You guys got memory candles. They know what I'm talking about. I know nothing. I know nothing. Our guest Gentile today is Amanda Bradford. Come on up, Amanda. Hi, guys. Um, How does it feel to be a guest Gentile? I've never really been called a Gentile, so it's kind of cool. Ever? Yeah, not really. Gentile. (laughs) It's a a new experience. If it can make this about us for a second, then we'll be back to you. um, (laughs) When we were creating this show one of our early guest gentiles on a pilot episode that never aired said that um he or she didn't like the term gentile and preferred guest non-jew so then we sort of pulled that and other people said well no no no. a non-jew sounds like a thing you're not like at least a gentile is an affirmative 
thing that you are. And then other people said, yeah, but Gentile is kind of a slur, whereas non-Jew is neutral. So there was this real, like, back, like, what Gentile? Not, would you rather be a Gentile or a non-Jew? Or is it all the same to you? I think I think Gentile is kind of a cooler word. I think so. Yeah, it Thank sounds you. fancy. Yeah. Like, I want to be one. They're genteel. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're genteel. They're totally genteel. Amanda. I feel is, very historic. <laughs> you are so historic. Um, you are the founder of The League, a dating app that combines data and social graphs from both Facebook and LinkedIn uh, to offer just a better dating experience than Tinder or Grindr or Friendster or <laughs> Facebook. Like Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. <laughs> And, and it hasn't been hacked. There's, there's yes. your, that'll record. So tell us about the league. So actually, Jewish people are a third of our user base. So that was part of why I wanted to come on the, the podcast. A third? Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Is that because there's so many of us or just we really want to get married? <laughs> hey, I think they have, Jewish people tend to have high standards. That's really who we're catering to. It's you know educated, ambitious people that <laughs> don't want to settle and are very picky and... Tend to be hard to well, please. You're really, you're welcome. <laughs> so they're still sorry, on the app day sorry, after day. <laughs> and um, Jay swipe. Well, it's funny. We just added a religious filter a couple weeks ago, and, and you're like, "Holy shit! They're all juice." <laughs> no we idea. saw like a huge spike in everyone coming off J date because now <laughs> we're basically kind of head to head with J date, and we're free at this point. So it's uh, so. Can you explain to us how the site works? Yeah. So we, like he said, <laughs> for we us Facebook, Jews, we're on it. Yes. Right. Are you on? No, no, I meant like the I collective. I bet Ben that you're on the, collective, the league. I probably wouldn't even get on. <laughs> we'll, we'll review. We can review your profiles. Um, so we use Facebook and LinkedIn, and everyone gives us both <laughs> kind of their Facebook and their LinkedIn um, logins. We put everyone on a wait list. We use algorithms to look at. We can relive kind of, senior year of high school, yeah. basically. Like it is, it's modeled a little bit like college admissions because if you know anything about the online dating space, the number one issue is that you have these like very spammy kind of offensive profiles that get generated. There's a lot of fake profiles. There's a lot of people that are claiming to be things that they're not. And so we're really trying to put in as many preventative measures as we could um, before you even get into the community. And then on top of Facebook, LinkedIn, we then have a human review team that makes sure no one's putting offensive photos or photos of their cat instead of their face. Um, cat Stevens would be rejected. He's very cute. Um, he's, and he's very well educated. <laughs> And then we bring people into the community slowly and we try to keep it pretty small and close knit so that it, it does feel a little bit more like kind of a college community in a sense that um, it's not just this kind of big shopping mall of, of profiles to swipe. We only give you five a day. We keep it very classy and respectful and we kick out people when they're bad. What's so, bad? <laughs> oh, That's a question I've asked more of... than once before. What, what do I have to do to get kicked <laughs> off and oh, or man. not let in? We have a lot of good stories about this. I mean, it's on my to-do list is to write a, a blog post about all the people I've personally kicked out of the league. Um, let's say we had a married person come on that someone was like, hey, he has a wedding ring in one of his photos. <laughs> you so had he's a not stupid, the smartest. Yeah, yeah. Stupid married person. Somehow we, <laughs> we overlooked that. Um, we had people that, you know say offensive messages to women being, you know, suggestive of kind of a one night stand or a hookup. And we try to keep the the league really classy. And there's a lot of other apps for that, like you named five earlier. So uh, we point people towards those ones when they are trying to kind of get instant gratification is what we call it. Um, so we we're very hands on and we have a uh, everyone has a concierge that they can kind of tell 
tell on people basically and so we sort of collect this information and then if people are getting flagged we we kick them out so it's a very kind of hands-on community what would get me off the waiting list quick uh the school i went to the job i have are, are, are these the criteria well, we look like, for the trifecta so th- those are the yeah great you know good photos good education good job ideally you're kind of marketing yourself i mean online dating is marketing so it's like is this a profile people want to swipe right on mark you're you're you've missed your shot man you would have flourished yeah i feel like (laughs) well the hair yeah Yeah, that great hair still looks really young like you know like just don't show your wedding just just (laughs) take the wedding ring off yeah i was actually gonna say what if you were tall and handsome and well-educated and committed to internet privacy but you had 12 hamsters like with that, does does like does a weird sort of feet like if you sort of foreground the I breed foreign hamsters, can that get you kicked off for just eccentricity, even if otherwise you're totally a catch? Well, we'll probably recommend you put that as your last photo, not your first. <laughs> like, the twelve hamsters, all the hamsters crawling all over uh, you in bed in the morning. Sort of that's the last. No, photo. but they're using the dreidel, so it's like we do coach people on their profiles. So if someone does, if someone has a great profile, but then they have that one photo of like the cat on their head or something that <laughs> my you know. friend actually was on i think hinge and she keeps sending me she takes screenshots there was a guy with like a ferret on his shoulder and <laughs> yeah. she's like why is this your profile like, so we would reach out to him picture? and be like hey you know i wouldn't get in tip. <laughs> this is this is this is perfect also a goatee. perfect segue because we're, we're we're jews uh and you know setting people up is like our national pastime and so international give us, debatably. yeah give us yen says i heard they're called they, they are that we very are very proud good. of that you give us give us like the top five rules of what to do to market yourself successfully on an online dating profile is everyone taking notes yeah exactly <laughs> we're gonna kids, give you like well, two minutes kids. for grandkids everyone has kids, a niece or nephew friends, or cousin yeah. well i like to say it's not really about attractiveness it's about sort of the quality of the photo so it's it's if you kind of look like you're taking professional photos they're high resolution it looks like you've sort of made some sort of effort in the profile you don't have to look like a model for people to kind of swipe right on you it's really just about presenting yourself in a professional way so we see um, professional headshots people have a very high like rate uh, guys who have a dog in their photo tend to do pretty well. Interesting. But women with cats, it's like, no, they, can't, they can't catch a break. <laughs> girls with I would do so much of that. I'm a guy with a dog. Uh, girls I'm, with I'm a man it's with a gun. Marketable. That would a never with a go gun. well ev- anywhere. Wait, okay, Especially sorry. California. <laughs> in- women with instruments, you were saying? Yeah, women Women with instruments tend uh, to do really well. Also sports, so showing that you have a hobbies outside of you know looking at yourself in the mirror. Um, family members showing you care about other people. All that. <laughs> so you, um, we invited you as our guest Gentile, confronting us, a panel of world-renowned Jewish experts, to come with any questions you might have about Jews. Um, right. Did you have any questions for us, Amanda? Yeah, I have actually a lot. Um, I do. Uh, one was around, I think I'm get, I get to go to heaven or something because I've successfully matched up dozens of people at this point now, maybe even... Tens of thousands, right? So what is it? Am I guaranteed Yeah, but it's entry? Jewish heaven, so, you know. So it technically doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so the... the and if anyone so argues... You, know, you could be the like number? the worst. Is it a, you could be the worst person in the world, but you match make five people wow. and you get to go to heaven. So this isn't Torah. This is like... Is this three? like Midrash? Is, is it Agadah? It's like urban legend. It's bubble mice. <laughs> it's grandma says three. Can we agree it's three? That's like a loophole. It's three. It's a loophole. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, I don't think it wipes out every, like if you're otherwise totally noxious, you know, if you, if you murder hamsters, 
but you've made three matches. Like I, I don't think you get to go. It's not like Catholic confession. You don't think? Okay. I don't. We don't know. Jews don't talk about heaven a lot. But I do think that we can all acknowledge that you're doing like a real service to the Jewish people. Yeah, you're going to you're, heaven. You're okay. matching yeah. them up, possibly to each other. But like, and that's sort of like what I feel like everyone's always talking about. Like, I don't know. Yeah, you're cool. So you're like okay. our, you're our modern day Yenta. Okay. Which is great. That's, that's all I really wanted was just to make <laughs> sure I kind of like you. my place in the world. When you get there, you tell them the unorthodox crew said <laughs> you get to go to the front of the line. I get to skip the line. All right. And you had a question about Jewish guys dating non-Jewish girls. Right. So there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of, we have a lot of Jewish guys and girls on the app and a lot of inter- religious dating and so yeah the question is as a gentile female are you i guess looked down upon by the jewish mother and the jewish family and are they secretly hoping that they're going to break up with us <laughs> everyone in the audience <laughs> is nodding yes <laughs> let's 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 bring this up to the audience uh raise your hand if the answer is no they don't hate you now raise your hand if the answer is yes Right. Yeah. These guys don't hate you, but they want you to there know all... There you have it. But can we just acknowledge, I love that people are like coming to you for this question. Like You're now actually serving like almost like a, like a psychological... Like they're, you're their therapist. Well, we, so we have a, a concierge in the app that people you know, will ask, hey, what's a good opener? Hey, this guy I went on a date with hasn't texted me, so they'll, they'll kind of lean on us. So we get to hear a lot of really interesting inside stories, and that is one of the issues, is that are they going through a Gentile phase? So <laughs> They're like, am I just sort of their fling... So I'm sorry. So the three questions come to mind. What's a good opener? Why hasn't he texted me back? And will his Jewish mother hate me? <laughs> That's amazing. I do want to say that I think that some, yes, the Jewish community has concerns about continuity. And um, they, you know, that means that they worry that the grandchildren won't identify as Jewish. So you probably, but it's not. It's not your fault. Like the league could disappear. The There's league, nothing you can do about it. The league didn't invent this problem, right? right. Like, let's be clear. When was the league founded? 2015. Right. So this concern in the Jewish community predates. Right. Although you should really. The solution here is for the league to merge with the Anti-Defamation League. <laughs> so it will be the ADLL, and it will take care of all your needs. What if we had like a conversion process? Well, okay. In the app? That's that's the next step. Then you would be then a hero. Okay? Then you would be a hero to the entire Jewish. You, the amount of Jewish startup capital you would get if you also had a portal <laughs> where, after having made the match between the Gentile and the Jew, you then directed the Gentile to a rabbi who would put them through a conversion process. But our converted Jews looked down upon also. They shouldn't be. They should not be. Yeah. So I have to say that I have had several friends request that their cities be added to the list. Everyone's on. Everyone's on the wait list. Um, so I just wanted to, on the record, relay that. that what, I have a friend, what cities? My friend in D.C. is like, when is the league coming here? D.C. is high. I know. On our list. Yeah, we're waiting. We're in New York and San Francisco, and we're trying to figure out monetization right now. So we're waiting a little bit longer before we start launching D.C., Chicago, Boston, as you guys called it, the JV cities. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, You've been an amazing Gentile on our show. What is the website that all of these people should go to? Uh, Theleague.com. And, yeah, sign up and get on the wait list. And, hey, if you know these guys here, maybe you'll get approved. Shortlisted. <laughs> Ooh. We'll hook you up. Amanda Bradford, everyone. That's it.
we get wonderful mail here at Unorthodox, and I want to share a letter that we got that really just, it moved us all so much, we sent it to the all-office email address so that everyone at Tablet could read it. So that six other people right. <laughs> could enjoy it. Dear Unorthodox, Thank you so much for this wonderfully insightful podcast. As a relatively new member of the tribe, I converted in 2013. I felt compelled to share how much joy your weekly updates and conversations have brought me. I never write things like this to strangers, but I must tell you that it has broadened my Jewish education and made me feel more connected to my faith and new culture. My husband was born Jewish, and I decided to convert before meeting him. An unusual history. He feels Jewish every day. It's in his Ashkenazi blood. I, on the other hand, am from a waspy family in Connecticut. However, stumbling upon Tablet Magazine and the podcast has been incredible. I'm so grateful and often moved by the conversations I hear. I feel like I know all of you, and you are making me feel connected. I always leave the podcast wanting to try all the books, movies, shows mentioned, dive even deeper into Jewish history, culture, and food, and catch up on all the years I've missed before my conversion. Thanks for making that so much more fun and easy. Keep up the great work. Shabbat Shalom, Kristen Shulman. So, Kristen... You are the Jewess of the week for us. For the rest of you, if you have thoughts, comments, praise, or questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Be warned, we might read it on the air. We just read Kristen's letter after all. Stephanie, do you have a mazel tov this week? I, I have a mazel tov for myself. Um, I hosted last week's show. Um, Mark wasn't here. I stepped up to do it. Ma, I leaned in. Um, and it was really hard and really fun. And I'm really, really proud of myself. You and did such a good job. Oh, my God. Thank you. I also have a mazel tov for Liel, who I've never seen wear a blazer before. And like, so thanks to you guys for making it happen. Liel? My mazel tov is for uh, Ray Merle Haggard, um, who celebrated his 79th birthday earlier this week. It was also his last day on earth, which uh, Jewish tradition tells us is a quality that very few tzaddiks get to experience. And uh, some other time I'll tell you how the Dukes of Hazard theme song, I think, made me a man. Me too. We've never had the Dukes of Hazard theme song talk. Um, you guys can have it without me. <laughs> it's a TV show for um, the yeah, 70s. It was on TV. I'm, I'm opting out of this like, and, male and, thing. And Stephanie, TV was a, a thing that you watched in your <laughs> it's living like, room. It's like what you stream, before right? Inter- it's right. before the streaming came. These boxes. They were, it was furniture. Uh, my mazel tov is for Amy Meltzer, who hosted me at a, a fundraiser for a day school in Northampton, Massachusetts, that I said I wanted to go to because I'm from Western Massachusetts, and so I wanted to, to represent. And she made the most amazing Moroccan food, and she also is the author of The Shabbat Princess, which I hadn't even realized, which is this amazing children's book. Um, it's sort of like Fancy Nancy, but for little Jewish girls. And so Amy Meltzer, just a terrific host, cook, and writer. Just a good old boy Wouldn't change if they could Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine. It's on the web at tabletmag.com. It's edited by Julie Subrin and produced by Sarah Ivory and Alyssa Goldstein. Rabbinic supervision this week is by Rabbi Janet Martyr. And kosher slaughtering this week is by Professor Joy Carrega of Oberlin College. Our website is tabletmag.com. Our music is by Golem. To get our newsletter, send us an email. Shalom, friends.